0: Today on episode number 717, we've got an interview with Misty Phillip from the Spark Christian Podcast Conference. We're going to find out how Danny Pena is still connecting with his audience in the middle of a pandemic. And we've got lessons to be learned from the one and only Tiger King. This is a horrible TV show that somehow is getting people to watch it. And we're going to kind of dissect it and figure out why are people watching this? Oh, yeah. And I'm in Facebook jail.
1: Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with
0: Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, we kind of talk all things podcasting. I love to help you start your podcast, but also grow your influence. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. If you use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up, you'll save 20% on either a monthly or yearly subscription, or if you want, you just buy them a la carte. And I'm going to start off today with a little bit of housekeeping. And if you listen to the podcast Rodeo Show, you know that's kind of a bad thing, so I'm not following my own advice. going to make this really quick, though. And I'm. it kind of ties in with today's episode, which is, when in doubt, ask for help. And so right now, as I record this on April 5th, 2020, I am in Facebook jail, and I could spend a lot of time going into what I did, and the answer is nothing. I didn't break any of their terms or this or that, and I could read you a bunch of stupid things. My, I think my favorite is where I put a thing in my own private Facebook group that said, if you've been trying to reach me at Dave at school of podcasting.com, that wasn't working and I fixed it now. And that got flagged as spam. Yeah, that's a bit of a head scratcher. So if you've ever been in Facebook jail, or if you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who might know somebody at Facebook to get me out of Facebook jail, because the problem is, I love it when you or, or other people will go, Hey, you should listen to Dave's podcast. It's school of slash seven one eight. And if you do that right now, it'll go, Hey, that guy violated our terms and service. I've been on Facebook forever. And so I haven't really done anything differently. I'm not sure if some unhank be uh, anchor person flagged me or what. I don't want to go. I don't want to put on my tinfoil hat, but uh, if you know anybody who knows anybody, that could get me out of Facebook jail, I would love some help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today, we're gonna talk about a show on Netflix called The Tiger King. And if you've already been there, done that, what I wanna talk about is what we can learn from this. Now, if you've never watched it, when I had, I think the fourth person finally had asked me, hey, have you watched The Tiger King on Netflix? I was kind of like, all right, I I guess I have to check this out. So many people are talking about it. And the other night I did a Zoom call with my family and we were talking about it and it's really just bad people. Now, there's going to be some words here that sound like I'm being judging or judgmental uh, and that's because um, I'm being judgmental and it's just an opinion deal with it. But in my opinion, this guy might have done a bunch of really great things, but the stuff I saw on video, the way he was edited, it seemed like, let's go not the most intelligent people behaving poorly. And so I was on a Zoom call and my brother had not seen it yet. And he said, but man, it seems like everybody and their brother is talking about this. And my family all chimed in and said the same thing. And that was, oh, it's awful. It's it's a total waste of time. I can't believe I watched the whole thing. And I'm pretty sure if I called my brother today, he's probably on episode two. Because there is a a weird thing that if something is so bad, you kind of go, oh, it can't be that bad. And then you watch it and you go, yeah, I, actually it was. But there are some things that we can gleam from good old Joe Exotic, who is the guy, which is that's not even his real name, but that's the Tiger King. And so this is one of those things where, yeah, Dave's gonna kind of repeat himself, but this is also a great example of like, yeah, this is why I say this stuff. And the first one is Joe Exotic, the Tiger King is very unique. He is information. He is he's a person that you don't see anyplace else. Now, he lives in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And here in the States, we kind of have a, a joke about Florida man because most of our really bizarre stories start with a Florida man was found covered in cheese walking naked down the, you know, Route 67 or something. It's, it, everything starts with a Florida man. And that's kind of a running joke. But even by Florida man, like standards, Joe is like really unique. Like, holy, he, what? And so I'm going to kind of spoil the show a little bit. So if you haven't watched it and you plan on it, now would be the time to hit pause. How unique is Joe Exotic? Well, he's a gun toting as in like, in some cases, machine guns, shotguns, he always has a pistol on him. So, and again, no judgment there, just that's a fact. That guy likes guns, gun toting, country music, singing, gay polygamist YouTuber who likes to blow things up at a zoo where he has tigers and alligators and other exotic animals while he manages his campaigns for running for president or governor. So, with that said, you kind of go, wow, that's not like anybody else I've ever heard of. Some people might say he's a character. And I could go on about his husbands and some other things, but you get the point. This guy is like nobody else you've ever seen. Now, that doesn't mean it's great TV. It just means like, wow, I've never seen anybody act like this before. And here's the thing. Joe was making decent money. And I'm going to say something here. If you're trying to make money with your podcast, really good products that make a lot of money typically solve a problem. Whether it's Netflix beat Blockbuster by first shipping you DVDs with no late fees and having a, a almost unlimited selection And what Joe did was, unless you lived, I don't know, in Africa, you can't really pet a tiger and live. And even in the Africa thing, that might be a little, hmm, not sure. So what he would do is he would breed tigers and take the cubs, and they are adorable, and he would take them on tour, and they would go to maybe a a mall or something like that. And they would go to the mall, and people could pet them, and they could get their picture taken with them. It was kind of like Santa with claws and teeth. And much like Santa, uh, Joe was taking in boatloads of cash. Why? Because he was providing something you can't get anyplace else. Why do you get your picture taken with Santa? Because the guy only shows up once a year, and you can't get your picture taken with Santa in July. And plus, he's the real Santa. I mean, he's got the throne, the elves, everything. So consequently, because Joe was solving a problem, the man was making some cash. Then Joe lost sight of his audience. And if it's one thing I preach here on this show, know your audience. And when you think you know them, dig a little deeper. The people that are really, really making a connection and then taking that relationship and doing whatever they want. Whether it's spreading their message, selling a product, selling a service, they really, really know their audience. And in this case, Joe's arch nemesis is this woman named Carol Baskins, who also, for the record, very unique in that her very rich husband disappeared a few years ago, which made her rich, and they never found her body. And why that's interesting is Carol also runs a large cat. Can you put up some finger quotes for me? rescue because it looks a lot like a zoo, kind of almost looks like the same thing Joe is doing. But okay, that's just my opinion. But here's the thing we can learn here. She has an army of volunteers who work for her. Joe has employees. Carol has volunteers who work for her and she's kind of doing the same thing. That Joe is doing, and that is he has a large plot of land where people can see large cats in cages, and that's kind of what Carol has, but why does she have a bunch, like an army of volunteers? Because of her why. Yeah, because of her why. Some people become fans of what you do. Other people become fans of you because of your why. They're supporting you because you do this. You do this because 10% of your gross revenue goes to helping veterans or 10% goes to diabetes or 10, whatever it is. Some people will support you because of your why. So your why can be very powerful. Joe is running a zoo. Carol is running a rescue. And so maybe you ought to let your audience know why you're doing this. Because some people are like, oh, man, really? Wow, okay. So Carol helped Joe's kind of mall tour get shut down. And instead of looking at another solution, instead of looking at another product or another animal, Joe got distracted. And instead of talking to his audience and saying, hey, what other things would you like to pet? Or what would you like to, instead of just talking to them, and seeing what they might want and seeing if there's a problem he could solve. He became 100% obsessed with this competition. Kind of. Cause in some cases he actually embraced his competition, but he did compare himself to others. So some of this is good. You can learn from other people, right? It's, it's, good to learn from your mistakes. It's even better to learn from somebody else's. And so he reached out to other large cat owners who also for the record are kind of living differently than most people. And granted that's a granted because, well, you know, you've got six tigers living in your house, but there's again, more polygamy or polygamy or however you say it. And, uh, he attempted to mimic their success. So he kind of said, Ooh, this is working for these people. Maybe I'll try that over here. But as time goes on, you see Joe simply go from kind of disliking Carol Baskins, uh, to hating Carol Baskins to obsessing over her. Now, one of the things that Joe has, he has again, we need more air quotes, a TV show, better known as a, a YouTube channel of some sort. And it went from talking about cats and whatever the heck Joe was talking about to basically being, I hate Carol. I hate Carol. You would tune in every night and you'd watch him talk about what a a bad person she was. I'm going to keep this clean. But you get the idea. She was a bit of a female dog in his uh, opinion and how Joe was tough and she wasn't going to bring him down. And Joe kind of forgot that he was the Tiger King and just kind of became the Carol Baskins king because that's all he was talking about. And again, this is based on Netflix. I don't know really what was going on in reality, but that's the way he was edited. But nonetheless, his content went from being, let's talk about tigers, let's look at this cute little cub, to I hate Carol Baskins and not as entertaining. You know, anybody can hate Carol Baskins, I guess. Joe hated her in his own unique way. But again, the Tiger King wasn't talking about tigers anymore. But he was, again, trying to play in on the why. And if you were like, hey, I want to support Joe because I believe in his rights to have large cats and blah, blah, blah. But nonetheless, he became obsessed. He took his eye off his audience, or at least that's how he's edited. And so I've said it before. I believe this is a a Teddy Roosevelt quote. Comparison is the thief of joy. And the more that Joe obsessed over what was Carol up to was less time. He focused on how can we make the zoo better? How can we do this better? And you didn't see him looking into how to make a better environment for the cats that I might also get the audience closer to, you know, the animals many moons ago. And it's one of those things where it, it seems like it was like last week, and it was probably like at this point five ten years ago. It's easily five. But I live in Akron, Ohio, and I was teaching uh, Microsoft Office. I worked for a company. Uh, that's my background. I did Microsoft Office training and QuickBooks and a lot of computer training for decades. And I was I got to teach the the staff of the Akron Zoo Microsoft Office and. I learned a lot about zoos and, and the Akron Zoo is is tiny. It's not like, you know, this giant plot of land. It's in the middle of Akron, Ohio. It's it's near downtown-ish, kind of. And I found out that their whole purpose of the zoo was to number one, make the exhibit kind of more enjoyable for the animal. Because if an animal is really not completely hating life all the time, now granted, they're in a cage, let's say the obvious. I don't think any animal is super happy being in a cage and not just being able to do whatever they want, but if you can kind of make it a little happier, they might be a little more fun to look at. So they really went into how can we make a great exhibit for the animal, because in reality, most zoos are all about kind of like animal preservation and things like that, and education. So they did that, but they also said, how can we make a great environment for the animal and also get the customers of the zoo as close as possible to the animal, while keeping the animal happy and safe. And keep because you got to keep the. It sounds weird. You got to keep the animal safe from people, and you have to keep the audience safe from the animal. And so it's really cool. They have a grizzly bear exhibit, and I at one point, uh, the the pool that the grizzly bear can kind of hang out and swim in is glass. And so at one point I was just sitting there literally face to face with just a piece of glass between me and a grizzly bear, it was really cool. And so over the years, this little baby Akron Zoo, I know people now that used to drive an hour to go to Cleveland, which has a uh, probably five times as many animals, but they'll go to the Akron Zoo because you get to see lions and tigers and bears, oh my. And it's about the same price as the Cleveland zoo, maybe a little less, but it's not as much of a drive and you don't get as tired. The Cleveland zoo is so large. You you get out of there, you're tired. And so the actual overall experience, why? Because the zoo looked at what, what does the customer want? They want to get close to the animals. And how can we, again, zoos are really typically about keeping an animal species going, things like that. So, Again, the idea here is comparison is a thief of joy, and in my experience, when I worked with the Akron Zoo, they were focused on two things: their audience, the customer, and their product, which was the animal. Which sounds just mean to say that. Hello, Mister Grizzly Bear, you're a product, but he is. Now, the other thing that I noticed in this story, and it was really the part. It sounds bad. I, I felt bad for the the tigers in a way, but the thing that really, really tugged at my heart is one of Joe's husbands had lost most of his teeth due to a meth problem, and every time this guy talked, I was just like, oh, I mean, I'm happy he's alive because meth does not mess around, but it was just like, oh, and he basically stuck around because Joe bought him guns, Joe bought him trucks and many other things, oh, and of course, he got to pet large cats. And so you start to see as Joe's attitude goes down the toilet, he treats his staff horribly. He takes them for granted. And this kind of revolving door of workers comes in, which is not great for any company because instead of looking forward and making a better product, you spend all of your time training new employees, trying to keep your brand constant. And so Here again, Joe's attitude caused more problems. In fact, there's really, I don't even want to talk about it. There's one scene where one of his employees does something very, very, very bad. One of their employees gets attacked. It's, again, it's a train wreck. It is an absolute train wreck. So in the end, things don't really end very well. Again, I'm kind of spoiling the show here. But when you are deprived of joy and you become frightened and angry or I don't know, any other emotion that's not calm and collected, you're going to make bad decisions. And Joe is the king of what appears to be bad decisions. And it turns out that uh, Joe actually killed some of his older cats. And if you want to make people hate you, it's really easy, and that is hurt an animal. If you want to watch more, and I mean dis. Disturbing. Like, holy cow, train wreck, oh my gosh. There is a show on Netflix, it's a documentary about the internet trying to find a serial killer and much like many serial killers, they started off by killing small animals and this guy put a video of himself killing a kitten. It's hard, very hard to watch. But that documentary is called Don't F With Cats. And as you might imagine, uh, I heard about that from somebody telling me, have you seen this? It's information you can't get any place else. So think about your show and think about how unique is your show. People should listen to your show so that they can, What? feel better, laugh, solve a problem. What is it? Because in the end, it helps if you're helping them either, again, laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. And in this case, I will say, it. did it make me laugh? Um, just because he was weird, did it make me cry? It definitely pulled on my heartstrings. Did it make me think? Yeah, it made me think, wow, this guy's nuts. Did it make me groan? Absolutely. I was like, oh, ooh. Did it educate me? It educated me that people that like large cats are nuts. Did it entertain me? For the first episode or two, I was kind of like, well, this is something I can't get anyplace else. So it hit on many, and that may be why people are talking about it. Not because it's good but because it's something you can't get anyplace else and you've got about six hours to kill. So those are some tips, some things you can glean from Joe Exotic, the Tiger King. Well, check the calendar. If you haven't gone out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 717 and click on the sponsor, which is Focusrite, You're going to miss out on this studio makeover. You need to put in your submission by April 17th. Now, what do you get? A Focusrite. It's the 18i8, third generation. It's a great interface, a high LPR40 with a PLT boom arm. That's awesome. You get an awesome pair of headphones from Adam Audio. You get a backpack to put all this stuff in. You get a free hour of coaching from the one and only Harry Duran from Podcast Junkies. You get $500 in store credit towards Automute. This is the people that make custom sound treatments. So if your room's a little boomy, yeah, they can fix that for you. A $95 store credit with Hindenburg, and this can go towards the journalist software, or if you already have it, you can upgrade. 50% off Squadcast annual plan and a discount on podcast hosting. All you have to do, is submit an audio sample of your show. And if you go, I don't have a show yet, that's all right. Just submit anything and then a three-minute pitch and tell us why they should choose you for this great prize. Check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 717 and enter today. Next up is my interview with Misty Phillip. Now, this was done about a week before all the caca hit the fan with this pandemic. And we're talking about Misty, who did the spark Christian podcast conference. And I wanted to get her intake kind of on like all the trouble she had doing it. And not that it wasn't worry-free, but it turns out she didn't have really that many stories of like, Oh, this was horrible or, oh, this blew up in my face. And the reason why is she got help. She asked her community. She found somebody who had done this before. She had a little bit of experience. You'll hear that. But in the end, she found somebody who had done this and got help. So here is my conversation with Misty Phillip from the Spark Christian Podcast Conference. You guessed it. Invisible sky buddy alert. Invisible sky buddy alert. Beware. Beware. Yeah, I'm going to throw that in here. And if you're new to the show, I think you can figure out who my invisible sky buddy is. But in the same way that Joe Exotic is Joe Exotic, he just is who he is. Misty is the person behind the Spark Christian podcast conference, and she has no problem talking about God and how he helped with this conference. So if that offends you, There are other podcasts to listen to. Uh, Your podcast is By His Grace. Uh, The website, mistyphilip.com. Misty Philip, thanks for coming on the School of Podcasting.
1: Well, Dave, thank you so much for inviting me here. And thank you so much for being a part of the inaugural SPARK event. That was uh, a coup, as they say, uh, to have the legend uh, Dave Jackson (laughs) at the SPARK conference.
0: Yeah, so the Spark Christian Conference. I just had somebody. Well, you contacted me. So here's the thing. I want to, I want to trace this because I sat next to Esther. No, actually, it was. Well, well, t- tie tie me to your conference. That's funny.
1: Yeah. So I have a a friend here who's a project manager who does a lot with authors and speakers to help them uh, get their dreams in line and project manage them. Krista Hutchins of Do a New Thing. And when we were talking about Spark. I was like, who else do I need to have to be a part of this? And she was like, oh, you really need Esther Littlefield. And when I contacted Esther, Esther's like, no, you really need Dave Jackson. (laughs) So
0: So thank you, Esther. I appreciate that. When did you decide I should start a podcast conference? How far in advance, like the idea came to you when and then when was the actual conference?
1: Yeah, so the idea came to me in October and (laughs) yeah, and the conference was in February So it was a whirlwind of four months.
0: Did you have somebody that had previously done a conference that you could kind of say, hey, walk me through this? Or were you just kind of winging it?
1: I did help my son host a conference in high school. He was interested in doing a debate that was only a collegiate level debate called Model NATO. And so I helped him with that, which is totally different than this, but I really, I prayed, I sought the Lord in every step of the way. I would talk to one person who would lead me to another person and it just happened. Now I did have Dorothy Struhall and I don't know if you met Dorothy. She contacted me early on and said, I wanna be your event coordinator. And I was like, I can't pay you. So she was there, but it took me a while to sort of give up control of the whole thing to even let her come in. And But once I did, I was so grateful that I had her on my team and was able to bounce ideas off of her. But really, a lot of the planning was really just me and God and just Him just really guiding and directing me. And I would say, what about this? What about that? And and then I would just go, OK, I think you're telling me to do this. And I would just step out in faith and not knowing, but praying that it would all work out. And it did.
0: What were some of the biggest surprises that you kind of ran into?
1: You know, I think for me, it was just, Dave, it was so much so fast. I had to find a facility. I had to find speakers. You know, it was a big ask to ask people to say, I don't have any money to pay you, but I think this is a really good idea. And can you help me? But still wanting to honor and and bless them. And I think probably the thing that surprised us most that everybody was just like, yes, 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 this is amazing. This needs to happen. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will come alongside you. Yes, we need to do this.
0: I know you worked a deal where we got a discount on the actual room, which was nice when we were staying there. Yeah. How, how does that work? I mean, because I've always heard like horror stories of people having, you end up with a bill or, or if you if people don't sign up, you get stuck with it. How does, is that the case or how does that work?
1: Yeah, no, that is the case. But for me, so what I did when I decided to host the conference, I launched a Kickstarter campaign Thanks to Thomas Umstat, he was really wise. He advised me. He was like, see if there's even an interest. So in that Kickstarter, we did it in like three weeks. We raised about $8,000 and I knew that that would cover like the very bare necessities. And then from there, I knew at least that the facility fee would be covered that didn't include food or drinks or hotel rooms or any of that kind of stuff but at least the be- the basic necessities and so i once that happened i knew that we could go forward Uh, with the hotel and they were really great because what they did for me was they did not give me a food and beverage minimum. That's huge because everything that is done in the hotel is taxed at 22%. So they allowed me to bring in my own stage. They allowed me to bring in a lot of different things. I did use their food and beverage, but I was really wise. I didn't just buy this huge package. I really prayed about how much food do we need? What are people going to want. And that's a dicey thing. But then we were able to go to restaurants so people could pick and choose where they wanted to go. Um, But I still was able to provide some snacks. So I think that it was a little bit of negotiation because the the first time they came back with the contract, I was like, is there any way that you can lower this like just a little bit? And they gave me a little bit of a discount. And so it was it was some give and take, but definitely I think it, it worked out well.
0: Yeah. How'd you find your, your sound crew?
1: Um, They actually go to our local podcast meetup and Mm. I met them there and asked them to be a part of it. And then I had another guy come in to do a video uh, promo trailer, which I'm super excited. I get that at the end of this month and he was the guy running around with the gimbal. And Yeah. uh, yeah, so he's, he does really high impact videos, like two to three minute promo type things. So I'm excited to see what he comes up with.
0: How many of these people were from like your, 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 I guess you would say your network. Do you think?
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of people were from my network, but I have a big network because I yeah. am an author and because I've gone to a lot of different uh, conferences where I've connected with a majority of of the the women that were there were people who are in my network who are following me online, who I'm following them online, we're supporting one another. Um, And then there were some other people that I didn't know. And that was the really cool thing was getting to meet, you know, especially a lot of the men that were there. Um, I didn't know them before. And, but it was like a friend would tell somebody who would tell somebody, we did no advertising for this event at all. It was really all... Um, Mm. grassroots, word of mouth. Um, We didn't want it to get too big the first year. We wanted it to be manageable. And God just kind of blew us away with what he was able to do.
0: Um, You mentioned your network. How long have you kind of been, I guess, online or, or building your network?
1: I've been online for a little while, but it was just as a mom who was wanted to be online because her kids were online. I'm finishing up my 20th year of homeschooling. And um, not only does my youngest graduate, but I graduate too. So uh, about four years ago, I went to the She Speaks conference, which is put on by Lisa Turkhurst and the Proverbs 31 people for uh, women who are writers and speakers and leaders. And I took that step and never looked back. So I started blogging then uh, wrote a Bible study then from the Bible study I launched the podcast and then from there I launched the podcast conference so it's just enough light for me to take the next step all along the way.
0: If somebody wanted to get the content from the conference is that available for somebody to, to purchase?
1: Yeah, actually we just uploaded that online it's available at the Spark Christian podcast conference website and it's $99 And the proceeds from that go to fund our next year's event. And we are already looking to double in size. We're praying and believing that this coronavirus, that we're going to get past it and that we're going to be able to meet again in person.
0: As this was your first event, what do you think was the biggest thing you learned? Like, what are you going to do differently for the second one that you did from the first one? You're like, ooh, won't do that next year.
1: You know, I think everything worked out exactly the way it needed to for this year. But one of the things after going to to the podcast magazine, I know that New Media Summit does like a pitching session. And I yeah. think, you know, for people to book guests on their podcast or for people that want to be guests that have a message message, I want to incorporate somehow, whether I have people pitching or this year we did some literary appointments that um, people that were authors that wanted to either market their message or talk to uh, an agent. So I'd like to see something like that, maybe have some PR firms come in. Uh, people that they represent have some podcasters that are looking um, and try to do some some matchmaking or something like that in addition to maybe offering multiple tracks.
0: And so if somebody is thinking, well, maybe I should start a podcast conference for from my little bubble, what would be your advice to those people?
1: I would say you know, first get involved in your local podcast community and see what they're already doing. And Mm -hmm. I did that first. I got involved. I saw kind of who my players were locally and and then the talent that I was able to draw on and then expand from there. Now, There are a lot of really good podcast conferences out there. I think the reason that I was able to do one and it was different because I was drawing from a different audience. A lot of the people that came to the conference were, authors and speakers and people that I knew that wanted to add a podcast to their repertoire, or they just were authors that had a book that wanted to get their message out and they wanted to meet podcasters. So I think having a target audience in mind would be a great place for them to start and getting involved in their local community of podcasters and kind of knowing what's out there.
0: Well, your website, again, mistyphillip.com, the uh, conference if you want to check it out is
1: spark christian podcast com.
0: see I'm, there you go that's awesome well thank you so much for coming on the show i really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to uh the next spark christian conference
1: thank you so much thanks dave
0: yeah to peel back the curtain a little bit i really thought being this was her first you know major podcast conference that she would have had some horror stories, of like, oh, this didn't do that. And because she called on her friend Dorothy and then let her take the reins, as she said, really, this went off pretty good. She's looking at some things she might do for next year. The one thing that really surprised her was that people said yes. So if you're sitting there thinking, ah, nobody would listen to this, or I wouldn't do this, or there's any project you're thinking about, let people say no. My buddy, Joe Salsihive from Stacking Benjamins says that's how he creates his prices. When he does certain things, he raises his price until somebody says no, because it's too much. He says, because otherwise you're leaving money on the table. He They tested their idea with a Kickstarter. That right there, I thought was the drop of gold. How do you know if your podcast is good? You got to get somebody to say that's not your mom, not your friends. I did consulting with someone today. And she said, I've asked all my friends. They all said they like it. She goes, and that's why I hired you, because I gave her many tips that said, no, this needs to be this and that. And your audio isn't very good and things like that. So you got to find a focus group. And that's what they basically did. They said, look, let's does this idea really have a valid interest? And if so, put up your money. And people did. And she's been online for years. And she tied into her network. So it's one of those things where you don't know when you're going to get thirsty. So you better start digging the well now. That's something that my buddy Jordan Harbinger always says. And so Misty has been working on this network of people and friends and relationships online. And when it's time to do a conference, she's like, hey, y'all, I'm doing a conference. And here they came. On the podcast rodeo show, we grab a random podcast and see how long we can hang on And I give you a real-life first impression. Didn't expect that. Am right? This is not your grandpa's
1: uh, faith podcast. I'm digging it so far. Um, We discussed how cheesecake is actually a really great thing to have in your home.
0: Okay, you you had me, and you said you, you brought her on because she knows this cool survival stuff. And then you didn't tell me the other things that she's going to tell me about. And now you're talking about cheesecake. Um, so we didn't really have anything to talk about. We were going because this episode is coming out on Black Friday. And that, my friends, is the phrase that pays. The minute you go, "Ah, I'm not really sure what I'm going to talk about. I am out of here because that means that you're going to waste 45 minutes of my time. (laughs) Holy cow. Well, first of all, great intro. Here's the key to this. I want to hear the rest of this episode. Do you? I do. The Podcast Rodeo Show. Find it at PodcastRodeoShow.com. And, of course, if you want a full review of your show, that show, I just look at the very first, like, five minutes of your show. If you want a full review, go over to PodcastReviewShow.com. That's the show I do with my buddy Eric K. Johnson from PodcastTalentCoach.com. And if you're looking for that, it's two consultants for the price of one over at podcastreviewshow.com. You know, I mentioned the podcast rodeo show, podcast review show, course, School of Podcasting. I also do one-on-one consulting. And here's a quick blurb from the last person that I just talked with. She does the Creepers podcast. Here is Sarah.
1: I can't thank you enough. This has been like priceless. I know you probably hear that all the time. Priceless information, like. Like seriously, you've been the best help in the whole world. Like I can't believe, I cannot believe how helpful you have been. I wasn't sure if you'd be able to tell me one thing that I hadn't thought of yet, and like literally, this has been like amazing. So beautiful. Just, yeah.
0: So if you're interested in that, go over to schoolofpodcasting.com/schedule. But that was done via SpeakPipe, and Sarah, in that case, was just using her laptop microphone because it wasn't a podcast; it was us talking to each other. And my buddy, Hall of Fame podcaster Danny Payne who does the Gamer Tag Radio, who lives in New York City, which is not a great place to be right now. And he reached out to his audience and said, hey, what's some of the favorite games that you're playing to get through this kind of self, I don't know, staycation, I think is what Jessica was calling it over at She Podcast. And uh, I'm just going to play a a really quick clip here.
1: Right now, I'm playing Warzone. I've
0: been playing uh, Red Dead Redemption. I would recommend... Until Dawn is a fantastic game to play with your significant other. Now, some of those were on the phone. Some of them were using laptop microphones. Some of them were using uh, SpeakPipe or whatever it was. SpeakPipe is my favorite way of doing it. If you go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. But Danny sent that over and he says, you know what? I really don't care what it sounds like because right now we are all, think about this, the world as I record this is in the middle of a pandemic for COVID-19 and we're all going through this at the same time. And so Danny reached out on Facebook and said, what games are you playing to get you through this? And he said, it really just boils down to content. If somebody calls in with this really great game you're like, Oh man, I haven't played that in so long. He goes, this is kind of one of those times when the sound quality really, I think you can get away with lesser sound quality especially if it's from the outside. Now, I think you on the microphone, you still always want to afford the best microphone you can get and also make sure you know how to use your microphone properly, properly, especially those people using a Blue Yeti or a Blue Snowball because those microphones are used uh, improperly all the time and, and you end up with worse results than you need to. And so, Thanks, Danny, again, for sharing that gamertagradio.com is where you can find him. And if you're looking to play some video games while you're stuck at home, Danny is the man. And that does not surprise me at all, because if you ever see Danny Pena, somewhere behind him is his audience, because every time I've ever seen him, he's hanging out with his listeners. And that is a man that from day one has been growing his audience and will not stop. Even if he's stuck inside, he will find a way to reach out to his audience. Speaking of getting input from your audience, the last episode of the month, I always have the question of the month and April's question is, and it's super open ended here. What do you use to create your podcast? That could be hardware, software, business tracking, organization, Any, Just what do you use to create your podcast? We need your answer by April 24th, 2020. And don't forget to say your podcast, the name of it, slowly. The website where people can find you as well, slowly. There is no prize for the person that says their name of their podcast and their website the fastest. I, I'm I'm... I think sometimes that uh, you might feel there is a contest going on, but I'm here to tell you, no, no, there is not. So some other ways you can get your voice right here on the podcast, I have kind of ongoing segments. One is because of my podcast, and that is if you can answer that question with something that wouldn't have happened except, well, you had a podcast, uh, you can go over to podcasting.com slash contact to submit these. One is because of my podcast. The other one is what we call Last Five in Five, and it's not so much your favorites, but what were the last five podcasts you listened to? What is the show about? Not so much what is the episode about. What is the show about and what is the show's website? And of course, you can include your podcast and your website slowly. And then the whole key is to do that under five minutes. And coming up, we're going to be talking with the guys from Podit. We've got, I just downloaded Bouncecast, which is some sort of software for audio. We've got the guys from Wealth Without Wall Street coming up. And if you subscribe to the show, you will get this podcast the minute it is available. Just go out to podcastingcom slash subscribe. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Your website, again, mistyphilip.com The uh, conference, if you want to check it out, is, if I remember right, I, this might be edit point one. We'll see. Sparkchristianconference.com?
1: Sparkchristianpodcastconference.com.
0: See, I'm, there you go. That's <laughs> I will make that sound beautiful and post. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of getting input from your audience, the last month, the last month, geez. Next week, we've got a bunch of things coming up. I interviewed the wealth without, uh, what you call it, the other thing with W, wealth without um, Wall Street. That's it. There you go. What do I win? I just downloaded Base Pod, Base something with a B. I don't know the name of it. Um, Bouncecast.